My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, a show where we talk about thriving at work and in life, no matter if it's our second, third, or fourth act. This program is brought to you by Briefing Notes, a weekly digital newsletter for Gen Xers and late Boomers about working well and living well in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe at thebriefingnotes.com. One person I credit for helping me create this podcast is my guest today, Joanna Penn. It is through listening to hundreds of her episodes that one, I came up with the initial ideas for a show that I might want to create, and most importantly, two, that I found the courage to actually create it, even though I honestly didn't feel at all qualified to be doing this at that time. Three years later, with five seasons and just under 150 episodes, I put this episode on the list of my top five things that I'm most proud of. So if we followed the dots, Joanna has had a most profound impact in my work and my life. I had the benefit of meeting her in person in Orlando at the podcast movement last year, 2019. Was it just last year? (laughs) It feels like eons ago. But I I had that opportunity and um, we sat together in some sessions. We had a couple of lunches. That was awesome. And uh, when I had the idea to produce a season featuring my role models, the very first person I thought of inviting is, of course, Joanna. Fortunately for me, she was game to chat with me again for a peek behind the curtains of her career. There's something that she said to me about longevity being a key factor to success in any field. And I think that what you're going to hear throughout this interview is just how Joanna works, the processes, the habits that she follows to create that longevity in her career. A brief reminder before I introduce Joanna, this conversation, as with all the others in this season, was recorded earlier in the year before we became aware of the pandemic. As such, in this chat, you're not going to hear any reference to COVID-19 or any of the disruption that happened since. Regular listeners of the podcast will not be surprised that my guest today is part of this series. I often refer to her as a role model and someone I admire tremendously. Joanna Penn is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of thrillers under the name J.F. Penn, and she also writes non-fiction for authors. She has written over 30 books published in 149 countries and six languages. Her award-nominated podcast, The Creative Penn Podcast, has been downloaded over 4 million times in 220 countries and is one of the longest running and most popular podcasts for writers. She has been named as one of top 100 most influential people in publishing and writing by The Guardian. Her website, thecreativepen.com, is regularly voted one of the top 100 sites for writers by Writer's Digest. While all these achievements are impressive, what I really admire about Joanna is the way that she's been able to reinvent herself and build a successful writing career. For me, she demonstrates intention and focus. She knows where she wants to go and then steadfastly moves in that direction. She sets challenging goals for herself 
I know because she shares those goals with her listeners and readers, and then she actually takes action on those goals, such that by the end of the year we can see her progression. Frankly, if there is one person I would like to model for focus, for drive, grit, and courage, it is Joanna, and I am beyond thrilled that she has agreed to return to the show for this special series. Joanna Penn, welcome back to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Lou, and I've got tears in my eyes now. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that introduction, and I want to point out to everyone that sometimes when somebody else describes you, and you're kind of standing here and you're thinking, "Is that me?" You know, because sometimes you know I don't feel like I'm that person, and maybe we can talk about that part of the. You know, I, I, yes, I all of those things, but I still feel like I'm a bit of an imposter and I still feel the self-doubt and I still feel like there's so much to do. So I really appreciate your kind words. They really help. Um, you know, I, I love hearing it. Thank you. <laughs> One of the earliest things that I remember hearing you say is that you measure your life by what you create. And so I wanted to go back to that statement a little bit, Joanna, and see like, that statement, I measure my life by what what I create, where did that come from? Like, what's the mm. origin behind that intention? Yeah, so basically, uh, when I left university, I went into uh, IT consulting. And, you know, so I was earning a really good salary, and but I was really miserable. But what the other thing that happened with IT consulting and with many technical jobs is that so I would go into a company, implement a system, and then a year later, two years later, three years later, certainly, it, it had disappeared. You know, I remember once spending two years implementing a certain expense accounting system, which is really sexy, right? But we, I spent so much time and effort on this project and they paid me lots of money. And then they just, some new executive came in and decided they wanted a different system. So I've, well, I just got to this point in my life where I look back at it was about a decade at that point. So um, this was sort of 2006. And I thought, what what have I got to show for the last decade? Yes, I've earned money. Yes, I've bought a house. I've got some photos from holidays. But I just felt like our work life is such a big part of our life, you know, our what we do with our work time. And I just felt like this is a waste of time. <laughs> it really was. It was like, this is a waste of my time. And so when I wrote that first book, so I wrote my first books of 2006, published it in 2007, um, 2008. And I, I was able to hold something in my hand. And in fact, I've, I've got one here uh, since we're on uh, video. This is the proof copy for my next book. Uh, it's called Audio for Authors. And just to illustrate the, um, this is as we talk, it's not out, but it's out on March the 6th. So it's almost out. But I can hold this in my hand and I can say, between about, um, or, you know, August, when we met uh, at Podcast Movement, I got, you know, some of what I learned is in this book. So this is this represents both three months of writing, but also over a decade of learning about audio and podcasting and audiobooks. And when I hold this book in my hand, I can say, I made this and I can measure my time in physical works in the world. So also, um, you know, you're a podcaster, I'm a podcaster. 
and I'm, you know, heading towards 500 episodes now on the creative pen over a decade. I can look at that. And even though it's not physical, like a book, I can look at it and go that is, I don't even know how many, many hours. I mean, it's got, you know, 400 hours or whatever of, um, of audio. And you think, okay, so I have something to show for my time. And yes, again, I've got money. I, have a house. I have um, photos of trips and stuff, but I've actually created something new in the world that no one else can take away from me. No one else can overwrite with, yeah, of course there's other books on audio and other novels and stuff, but what I create is what I can do myself. So that, that sort of mantra, I measure my life by what I create was literally out of the frustration. I can't measure my life by my salary And yes, I like making good money, as you know, we've talked about this, but I just feel like you need something more. And so for some people, it doesn't mean you have to make money from it either. So maybe you're, if you're listening and you, you're an amateur photographer, but those photos that you make over the year actually measure your life and you, maybe you put them on your wall. Maybe you make a photo book. I make a photo book every year. And if there's not enough photos in your year, do you feel like you've wasted a year? I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, those are some thoughts. I so appreciate what you said about the podcast, because even though I don't make money out of this podcast, but I do see the progression of my two years in terms of the number of episodes, I could see my growth in terms of my improvements as a podcaster at the same time as well. So I I so appreciate that. And I also like that you said that you don't necessarily have to make money out of it. It could be something that you're doing as a hobby. So it's just a way of measuring how the passing of the months or the passing of the years. And when you get to the end of your life, you know, is there anything that you regret? So for example, I also, I want to do uh, a long, very long walk uh, across Spain. So it would take at the moment, (laughs) I look at it, it might take four months, you know, something like that. And that is not necessarily creating a physical thing, although I'll probably write a book, but it's something that I'm working towards. It's something that I'm planning. And obviously that's got nothing to do with money. Um, but that's something I would like to achieve. So that, that's what I would say to people is sometimes you need to reflect on how short life is. And make sure that you're doing the things that you want to do that are not just paying the bills um, and, you know, doing the job. When you first started out, like from college or when you, you started your career, like how different were your career goals? Were you like me? I was focused on climbing the ladder, getting promoted or, you know, that kind of stuff. That Those were my career goals back then. And so I was just curious how your career goals have changed from the time that you, you first started. When I left college, um, I, my main concern was to make enough money so that I could pay my student loan, but also have a nice life in London uh, because I, I wanted to go to London. And so I didn't really know know of any goal I didn't really have any goal to be a consultant in any way. And what was funny, the company I joined um, on day one, they said, everyone on the left-hand side of the room, you're now doing SAP, which was this German software system. And I happened to be on the left side of the room. So I didn't even choose that path. Um, And then I wanted to go into international politics. So I really wanted to solve the Middle Eastern a peace crisis, you know, and, the, and so that didn't really work out. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't really have necessarily any goals around a career, except that I wanted to be able to travel and have a nice life. And I think that is still where I am in terms of writing. What I feel like my initial 
goal was with becoming a creative entrepreneur was I want to be in control of my own time. So that's not, I didn't, in fact, and what I felt, I always felt was I didn't want to climb a ladder because I never really wanted to manage people. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, as a as an introvert, you know, I really, and also I just found meetings a real waste of time. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, those corporate meetings and you're like, what am I doing here? This is a waste of my life. So what I like about running my own business is if I don't make any money, then it's my fault. Um, and I can control my time. But controlling my time means I can't just run around and go traveling because then I won't achieve anything and make any money. But the career ladder for me now is not so much um, a ladder. I don't believe there really is a ladder with the creative entrepreneur journey. It's more like, yay, another year when I have not had to go back to the day job. <laughs> Another year when I've been able to um, pay my bills, travel, put money in my pension, uh, pay my taxes, uh, be a good citizen, um, but also create under my own terms and help other people, obviously, because I love helping other people with their creations. But I do think that I would like everyone to question because I think what happened to me and what happened to many people is that you think you should do things because society tells you that you should do things. So, And the problem with the corporate world is that you can't, there aren't many opportunities to not move up a ladder. It's like, well, actually, what if I just want to do this job but get paid more over time? You can't do that. You know, you have to move up somehow. But I needed to question that because that's not what I wanted. And I urge anyone listening, it's like you don't have to do the things that the world tells you that you have to do. I mean, obviously, that's why I say about being a good taxpayer. I mean, I, I'm not saying stop, just do random things. I'm just saying choose how you spend your time and you can still achieve the lifestyle goals. So, you know, I live in a, a nice house in the southwest of England in Bath and I travel and, you know, I do those things. But I also write uh, the books I want to write. Um, so I, I really think you can do both, but it does take time, obviously, because it's taken me over a decade to make that switch. <laughs> It's easy for us to look and like, oh, well, she's written 30 books or over 30 books. But it started with book number one. And, and I, I know the story behind book number one because I've, I've listened to that story many times. So <laughs> so it does take work. But um, I was just curious. So when you set out to to start your writing career, did you not say, I want to write 50 books? I want to write 100 books? No, I don't. I, and I don't believe anyone does. If you've not written one book, I don't believe you can see past one book. Uh, um, I think until you've written one, you don't know whether or not you want to write anymore. And what's interesting is, so I wrote one nonfiction, I started with nonfiction. And then when I wrote a novel, uh, writing novels is really hard. <laughs> I, you know, some people say, oh, I love writing. I love writing. It's so easy. And it just flows. I don't believe it. Just don't believe it. It's hard work, you know. And um Every time I finish a novel, I'm like never writing another novel again. But, you know, and then it takes a few months and I've just started the next novel, obviously, because um, I finished that last book. And uh, but I think I definitely did not think I would write lots of books. Uh, I didn't. And in fact, I didn't. Although you say that I, I, I think it looks directed. My career might look directed, but there have been lots of missteps along the way. And also if you find things that you enjoy doing and you keep doing them, like podcasting. Uh, I started podcasting in 2009 before podcasting really took off and I enjoyed it. 
And so I carried on doing it. And the reason I have one of the biggest podcasts now is because I've been around for a decade. (laughs) And what's so interesting in the writing community is those of us who have, who last are people who enjoy what they do, but also balance it with other things Mm. and um, last longer than other people. Like literally longevity in any career helps. So if I had stayed in consulting, I would probably be a partner now you know, if I'd have stayed there. And so where I am in the writing career is also a decade in and things change, you know, things change along the way and you go, okay, well now I'm going to do this and now I'm going to do that and lean into this. And I mean, who would have known that podcasting would have turned into a significant income stream for me? Uh, I wouldn't have known that uh, back in the day, but it has. To be honest, one of the initial things that attracted me to Joanna was that clearly she is someone who is doing work that she loves. I remember one of the earliest episodes that I heard from her podcast was her talking about finally quitting her part-time corporate job and being able to have a full-time career as a writer. And since then, I often hear her talk about the freedom to be able to write the kinds of books that she wants to write or live the lifestyle that she wants. From the outside, she clearly is someone who followed her passion and does what she loves. So I asked her what she thought about that common advice. Yeah, it's tough. Um, It is tough because I see there are a lot of writers who are a lot better than me and they are not making any money. And so they can't do what they love full time. But, you know, like before we spoke, I was doing my VAT return, which is my sales tax in the UK. Do I love that? No, I do not enjoy doing my tax. I mean, really, who does? It's not something anyone enjoys, but it's part of running a successful business. Sometimes you just have to sit down for a few hours and deal with the paperwork. And what what I would say is... um, If I just said, oh, well, I'm not going to do that because that's not my passion, then I will not have a successful business, you know. I mean, reading this book, Keep Going by Austin Cleon. I've been reading this because I've been feeling this, you know, should I keep going? Uh, And it's a book that he wrote, presumably, because he also felt that, you know, you get to a point in your career, you're like, really? (laughs) Should I just carry on? Um, And I think what's interesting is he does say if you take what you love and try and make money from it you have to be very careful because that's when the thing you love becomes more stressful and you might put so much pressure on it that it fails so for example in a previous incarnation I uh, had a scuba diving business and that business I should never have started that business for many reasons but scuba diving I used to really enjoy and then it it just I don't do it anymore um many for many reasons but you know we I tried to turn what I enjoyed into a money-making venture and it didn't work so what I would say to people is you don't you can do what you love but you might just do what you love in your spare time uh if you and sometimes i think i should have just stayed in my corporate job put loads of money into pension and investments and i could have re- retired by now and just write what i want to do without charging for my podcast for example um but we all make our choices so i would say every day there are pros and cons of an approach i think you can make things work but only if there is an audience who buy what you do mm-hmm. so um for example i've written 17 novels and yet if i only if i tried to make a living with my fiction alone i i would not 
consider that income enough. So I thus write nonfiction books, I podcast, I speak, I do all these other things and I enjoy them, but I wouldn't say they're my passion. But altogether, everything, my passion, I think, is running a creative business and I enjoy all the parts of it. Um, but many people forget the money side is also important for like, you know, eating and <laughs> paying the mortgage. <laughs> I think you did say this in one of the earlier episodes that I listened to was that we can continue doing what we want to do if we're not able to earn a living for, you know, whether through the books or other ways, right? Because yeah. otherwise, how can you earn, how can you live? How can you continue doing what you love? So we can't really divorce the money part from the passion part of things no or, or you can you can just take a job oh. and do a job and then do your passion on at a different point yes as yeah. a hobby. oh it's a hobby which is there's nothing wrong with that either right no exactly. exactly 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 and then if you do make some money from it let's say you're an author um 95 of authors have other work i mean it really is um the average author income is something like ten thousand us dollars a year it's ridiculous from books um so what you have to the thing is, well, yeah, I can write my book and then maybe I'll get some money from it, but I'm not going to give up the day job. In fact, another uh, book recommendation, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, she says, do not put pressure on your art. You know, you should support your art. You know, your art should not support you. You should support your art, which is quite a challenging thing for people like me. But, um, you know, it might help anyone who's got a day job. <laughs> Over the years, I have noticed there were certain things that Joanna did consistently that I want to emulate and be able to do at least some version of them myself. I took the golden opportunity to explore those practices with her. What actually happens behind the scenes, the stuff that I don't actually see. And so what follows here are three of those habits or practices. You regularly share what you're learning, what you're observing, around all the massive changes in the industry, right? And so, which means that you are always on top of news and developments and trends. What is your process? Are you just like reading newspapers and journals and, and magazines on a daily basis? How do you stay on top of all these developments? Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm only on top of a couple of niches. So publishing, obviously, uh, self-publishing and uh, AI as it relates to creativity. Those are mainly the topics I talk about. But to get the news about those things, you only need to follow about three blogs. <laughs> So, so basically, I use Feedly, uh, Feedly.com, which is like an RSS reader. Um, and I can just skim, I don't even have to read the articles, I can just skim like 50, 100 art article headlines very quickly. And then if there's something that relates, so as we were, we're recording on a Thursday evening, um, and on a Friday morning, I will skim all my sources and look for things that will um, impact people. Or if something comes up in the week, I just save it into my Things app. So I use Things app on my phone and on the Mac. Um, but realistically, it doesn't take that long. Once you find news blogs that talk about your topics, you just monitor those um, 
like once once a week um so i record on a friday morning for the monday show for the monday podcast so i will just spend a bit of time looking before i record um tomorrow and yeah that's literally all all i'll do um but i also i do listen to podcasts but a lot of you know you can get a lot of information just from browsing headlines on a reader that aggregates um these rss feeds so feedly is the one i use you also present a full picture so you connect the dots for us so you don't just say okay here's what happened or here's the news but you also like pull away and show us like the bigger picture of it like what does this mean this little thing that google announced or this little thing that random house announced what does this mean in the bigger picture and so i wanted to know whether that's ability of yours to connect the dots is that coming out of just massive research over the years or i guess my i guess my internal motivation for asking this question is like how how can we develop a way of consuming and uh processing information so that we're able to connect the dots <laughs> Well, I think you're right. It's, it, is a, it is a matter of time. So because I've been in this industry for over a decade, I have seen things change. I've only really been sort of doing this personal uh, update in the last five years. And so I started, you know, a decade ago. And those early episodes were just interviews. I didn't talk about anything, didn't talk about myself. And then about four years in, I think it was, I started to do a personal update. And then eventually I started talking about the news, but then I realized there were other news shows. So I started talking about how it impacts us. So it comes from just a true interest in this for my own career. And, you know, most people are not full-time creatives. So when I talk about things, it doesn't necessarily impact them anyway. <laughs> um, over the last decade, I have seen so much change in the author and publishing industry that it's almost like I can sense what is important and what's not important based on, and of course I'm wrong a lot of the time. And, um, it's just my opinion. Mm. It's my opinion as someone who sits, uh, in an unusual position because there are not many authors very, in fact, there are, you know, very, very few authors who are both, um, full-time authors and also business people and also podcasters. <laughs> I mean, there's very, very few of us. <laughs> So I, I think that's why it, um, it stands out. But in terms of how people can do it, it really is about reflection. And this is mm. why having a podcast is so great, because you can be like, OK, well, here's this thing. But what how will my audience find that useful? And so you're always questioning how someone else will find it useful. There's a lot of things I don't share because I feel like, OK, I find that interesting, but my audience is not going to, so I'm not going to share that. Or sometimes, you know, because I'm quite an upbeat person, sometimes I'll find things and I'm like, mm, I am not going to share that because that is just too much of a downer. <laughs> so I'm pretty selective and I get emails sometimes and people say, you're too selective, you should share this other side of the story. And I'm like, hey, that this is my show, I can share what I like. And so this is the thing. I'm not a reporter. This is a very important thing. I'm not a reporter. This is my opinion. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a writer. No one has anointed me with a press pass, you know, <laughs> and I always cite my sources. You know, I'll say Venture Beat said this or whatever, and I link to them in the show notes. Really important. But then I comment on it. Um, so I guess that's like a more like a talk show type angle. Mm -hmm. 
a couple, two, three, four episodes ago, you mentioned on the podcast um, that there are some people, some listeners who fast forward the the futurist segment of of the podcast because they don't they don't particularly care about to listen to that, and so. Mm. I, I am I am very interested in that kind of information. So when you said that, I was really surprised. Like, why would people not want to listen to this? So I guess I just wanted to to ask you, like, why why do you think that we collectively, we as a group of people, we what do we feel challenging about futurist type of conversations? Why do we want to shy away from learning about that? For one, and I understand one people feel threatened so they don't want to know they're just like I don't want to know but two I uh, most of the futurist stuff I report I'll tell you that this report came in so for example the um, AI being granted copyright in China mm-hmm. when that came through and I remember the moment I was sitting on my couch it was a Saturday night I was looking at Feedly on my phone and I was like whoa that is the that is huge. And I felt it kind of rocked my world. And I shared that on the show. But the thing is, what I then postulate about that news, I mean, I know a lot of Americans particularly would be like, well, who cares? It's in China. Um, It doesn't make any difference to us. (laughs) Um, That's not US law or UK law. Um, So then when I talk about things, it's my opinion. And I completely get that people don't agree with me. And a lot of people don't agree with me. So it's fine um, for people to to fast forward. And I think that's what's so nice about podcasting, because it doesn't matter to, you know, it doesn't matter that people fast forward what they don't like. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'll fast forward things I'm not interested in or don't like. So I think what we have to consider is there's so much information out there in the world. If we and we get to choose what we consume and we have the power to press the fast forward button or the off button. Um, And I used to kind of obsess with worrying that people would turn me off (laughs) you know oh no I've offended someone and now like like because I often say this is not a political show and it's not but people have read my politics by some of the things I say and they'll email me and they they'll say you say this not a political show but you said this which means this so I'm not listening anymore and I'm like well okay that's your prerogative (laughs) go listen to someone else and so this is the thing we cannot it's everybody listening as well you know your creative work is your work um and you cannot please everyone and you shouldn't try and please everyone so double down on who you are and do talk about what you like to talk about Mm -hmm. and you'll attract people who are interested in that type of stuff um you know like you're so wonderful and you're a fan of mine if I started trying to please somebody who you know someone who emailed me and said they were unhappy with what I was sharing and I I was like okay I'm gonna stop doing the futurist segment because people don't like it then you'd be unhappy because you're like well actually I really found that useful so why why are you listening to those people why don't you listen to your actual fans people who want to listen to you so that's what I would say to people is if you just do what interests you and in fact this circles back to the follow your passion I think it's more about follow what interests you Mm-hmm. So ah. I'm not I'm not going to make a living programming AI. You know, I'm not going to do that. What I enjoy talking about is the potential ramifications of artificial intelligence on creative work. But someone asked me to speak about it at a university and I'm like, I can't speak on that topic. And I said, well, literally, I have no qualifications. All I am is someone who reads a few articles and talks about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is the thing. You share your point of view. You share your position. Uh, and knowing that some of them may not be... Um, some people may not agree. So, for example, your position on going wide versus exclusivity. I'm sure, sir, sir you've, you've heard counter-arguments. And so I was just wondering... You know, so you read these emails back to your tweets, like, why did you say that? Or I disagree. Do you ever engage? Like, what do you do when you hear counter arguments? If people have an argument that I am interested in that will change my mind, it's not like I know I think I'm right about everything. I'm not. So if people email me and like they say this, this, this and this, I'll be like, OK, yeah, I agree. I'll change my stance on that. But um if they're just being horrible or I just feel like there's no understanding at all or <laughs> I've had people, you know, you get a, people say nasty things all the time and I just delete those. So I'll engage with anyone who actually has wants to have a argument with respect, like here's my point of view, um, but I'm not going to engage when people are just being personally horrible. Over the years, I have proven to myself that more than any one big, sexy, pivotal moment or stroke of genius strategy or even luck, more than any of those, the thing that forms the backbone of our career success is what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. The daily grind when no one's looking. The habits that come naturally or that we have intentionally cultivated over the years. I asked Joanna about her habits that contributed to her success. Uh, well, I think I'm really good at time management. I've always used a calendar, like since I was at school, you know, like with all my time slots. Um, so I'm very organized with my time and I'm very self-directed, you know. So if I make a time slot, so tomorrow morning I'll be at the cafe about 7, 7.30, I'll be at the cafe Um until 9.30 and then I go to the gym um, and then I come back and I do some other work. So I know I know my schedule sometimes years in advance. <laughs> I can't be booking my schedule out, especially with speaking. Like I've agreed to do some speaking in America in 2021. And, you know, so I'm, I'm really I'm very good at time management. Um, and the other thing I think I'm good at is project management, which is critical for a creative business. And this is something you can learn both of these skills. And I've learned over time, obviously. So finishing energy, uh, I know way too many authors who write, 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 but never publish or never finish. Um, the, the problem is with writing. I mean, like, like this, this book again, I'm not going to make any money on this book until it goes live in the world. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I have to finish it. And many people will be like, oh, it's not finished. It's not. The thing is, there's a chapter in there on AI and voice technology. It's the very last chapter I edited because even as I was going to press print, you know, things were changing. And I was like, ah, ah I could, this could never be finished, right? It's never finished. Or I just have to go right now. So that finishing energy um, and that project management cycle that's really important. And I'm very grateful that I learned that as a cons business consultant, because everything we did was project based. Everything was always project based. And I think if you 
if you consider the project life cycle to be the creative life cycle as well, that can really help. There are parts of it that are really fun and great and interesting. And there are parts you just have to slog. Like it, I'm, it, it doesn't bring me joy to upload my print files and proofread them and all that. Not interesting. But you have to do these things to finish the project. So they, I guess those are a couple of things. You mentioned this throughout um, the, the the life cycle of creating the book, which is like the starting energy or, or the, mm. the, the creative energy and then the finishing energy. And I was just wondering, is that, I mean, I know them because you talk about them, like in that context, but I was wondering if, the, is there a book that I could read if I wanted to read a little bit more? Because I've actually never heard of those things other than from you. I think I'm the only person who uses those Oh, words. okay. I, I literally don't know where I got the terminology, but I think I think I made it up. And I think it's because I come from, a pro, you know, project background. Um, obviously, I do have the book How to Write Nonfiction. Uh, and I think I do talk about it in there. Um, and I'm I have a 90,000 word draft of how to write a novel, <laughs> which I keep looking at and going. I'm not ready for that book. I'm just not ready for it. So I may or may not put that out, but that talks about it. And I have um, a YouTube video where I talk about that kind of thing as well, because it's so common, like people, most people seem to fall into one or one of the three, well, mainly one of two categories. They're either good at starting things or or they're good at finishing things, but they don't have the ideas. And you, you kind of need all, you need to learn all of it. Right, right. Because even when you're talking about how you're starting the next uh, book in the Map of Shadows series, like I appreciate when you're describing how you, where you're at at the moment, the, the energy you're at, I can appreciate it. Even if I'm not writing a book, I could, I could mm. apply it to other projects that I'm doing and, and see that, oh, okay, that's where I'm stuck. And, and, and sometimes like to your point, I heard you say the other day, you say, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not finished with the project that I was just finishing. And what I would say on that, because I was kind of angry with myself, you probably got that sense. I was just like, because I, uh, for people listening, I sat down to start on the next book and I just, it was so painful. And I managed like 500 words in three hours or something. And it was like, oh my goodness. And then I was like, give yourself a break. You just finished a book. You haven't even uploaded the files. So maybe just give it a week. Now the problem, some people would call that a block. And as I said, you know, this is not a block. I just need another week. And then what I did on Monday morning is I went back to the cafe. So I think you should give yourself a break. Like people listening, if you're feeling, if you're struggling, give yourself a week, but it is a struggle. So you have, you can't just let it go on and on and on. And that form of discipline of getting back to the page or getting back to whatever project you're doing or going back to your day job when you really don't want to, that is part of the creative journey as well. So what I would say is, yes, be gentle to yourself to a point and then kick yourself and get back, get back to the chair. I asked all my guests in the series, what is the trail that they'd want to leave? Well, I, I, you know, I have two brands, Joanna Penn. So Joanna Penn wants to help other people write more books. So a trail of useful information that will help you write your own books. And I think JF Penn, um, I don't really know. I haven't figured that out yet. I think JF Penn is what I write my fiction under for people listening. And my fiction persona, I often feel that fiction is a much more 
selfish might be the wrong word, but it's a very self-contained kind of thing. Whereas I know how my books help other, my nonfiction books help other people. I sometimes wonder how my fiction does. And yet I get emails from people and they say, oh, you know, you really helped me with this or that or the other through my fiction, or you just entertained me and took me out of my miserable job or whatever. So I, I, but I'm not sure about the trail with my fiction yet. I think I'm still figuring that out there are a lot of big questions like the meaning of life and death and god <laughs> but you know we all have to figure that stuff out right so i will say for people who are interested i also have another podcast called books and travel where i talk about i interview authors about their travels and i talk about my own travels which go into my books so i, th- I think fiction is a journey and it will probably take me the rest of my life to finish that uh, to figure that out <laughs> You know, lots of things have happened since I sat down with Joanna earlier in the year. The book that she held up, uh, you know, the proof copy for, the one that she referred to as her next book, Audio for Authors, that's been released and is now available wherever you buy books. The third book in the Map of Shadow series, the one that we were talking about where she had a hard time starting, that's also finished and released. It's called Map of the Impossible. And then another one that we didn't even mention in our chat, The Tree of Life, which is part of the Arcane series, also completed and just released. All of this, plus she continued to publish weekly episodes on the Creative Pen Podcast and on her other podcast, Books and Travel, where she drops episodes every other week. You know, I'm just going to repeat what I said in the beginning when I introduced her. If there is one person I would like to model for focus, drive, grit, and courage, it is Joanna Penn. And I think you can see why. You can find out more about Joanna through her podcast, The Creative Pen Podcast, or by visiting her website, thecreativepen.com. For all the links to the books, to everything that we mentioned, plus the highlights of this episode, head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast. Second Breaks is brought to you by Briefing Notes, a weekly digital newsletter for Gen Xers, Generation Jones, and midlifers interested in thriving at work and in life. Visit thebriefingnotes.com to subscribe for free and get the next edition in your inbox. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you'd share it with your friends. You can tell them about Joanna or about season five. They will thank you for it. And so will I. You will have done me a huge favor as it helps tremendously when you spread the word about the show. Okie dokie. Coming up next week is the last conversation in the season of Role Models with my conversation with Donald Christian, senior partner at PwC and my mentor of, uh, I don't know, 20 years almost, I think. You're not going to want to miss that one. It is a milestone episode for me. And so I hope you'll be back next week to join me. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. Joanna, thank you so much. I so appreciate this conversation. You have no idea. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, Lou.